And Lord, tonight, God, we ask that you would, as we pray and as you have been already, that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word. Cleanse and forgive us, God. Clear out the opala that's there, Lord, in our minds and our hearts. And God, we want to make room for your spirit, for you to speak to our hearts. So anoint this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Well, back in the days of the Wild West, there was a bank robber named Pepe Rodriguez. And he lived in Mexico, and then he would eagerly, illegally go from Mexico into U, the U.S. and rob uh, small towns, the banks in the small towns along the border there. Well, one day the Texas Rangers cornered him in a cantina after robbing one of those banks there in Texas on the border. And with guns drawn, the Rangers ordered Pepe to tell them where the money was hidden. But the thing is, Pepe Rodriguez... He didn't speak English. He only spoke Spanish. So the bartender, as a good citizen, offered to translate uh, for, what, for uh, Pepe over there and the rangers. So the bartender translated the message of the rangers so, so Pepe uh, could understand. And then Pepe Rodriguez, he, he, he knew there was no way of escape for him. So he gave in, and he said in Spanish this, and, and he said in Spanish, Okay, okay, the money is hidden in the well at the center of town. Count down 17 stones and behold, the, the loose one you'll find behind that stone will be the loot, will be the money. So after speaking in Spanish to the bartender, the bartender then turned to the rangers to, to, talk, to tell them what Pepe said. So the bartender turned to the rangers and said, Pepe says he's a proud man and he says he'd rather die than tell you stinking rangers where the money is so he really wasn't honest there right behind that friendly help was really this hidden motive yeah well as we return to our verse by verse by verse study here in the book of luke we come to see john what his motive is he openly shows that he has but one motive and his motive is to point to jesus that's why he does everything what he does, and he points to Jesus. So tonight we actually continue from what we started last week. The voice in the wilderness was our study. And we come to part two now, the voice in the wilderness, part two. And, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 3 from verse 15 through 20 tonight. Now, last week, the voice in the wilderness, we had our outline, and we're really continuing our outline here. But last week, we saw from verse 1 through 6 was John's mission. Remember, his mission was to prepare the hearts of the people for the coming of the Messiah. And then from verse 7 through 14, we saw John's message. That was our outline. John's mission is John's message. And his message was that they need to bring fruits of repentance, right? Works of repentance to truly show that they're changing their life and preparing their heart in that way for Jesus. Well, now we come to number three, the Third heading in our outline, John's motive. And again, that's going to be from verse 15 through 20. And that's what we're going to be focusing in on tonight. And really, John's motive, what, motive, what is that? To point to Jesus. And so we see he prepares the way for the people to receive the coming of the Messiah. And then what's the second thing, main thing he does? He points to Jesus. All right. So number three in our outline, John's motive 
And let's look at the first part here. Uh, verse 15. Verse 15 now in John's motive as we continue from last week. Verse 15, Luke chapter 3, it reads here, As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. And we'll stop right there. So the people all around hearing John, they were in expectation. In other words, they knew Jesus was, I mean, the Messiah was going to come soon. They knew from the prophecies. And maybe they had a sense. Maybe there was a feeling. I mean, I, right now I feel like, Christ is going to be coming soon with everything going on. Maybe they had this sense, this expectation that the Messiah has come. So they already had that. And so they began to be questioning in their hearts. They began to like, is John the guy? Is John the Messiah that we've been waiting for? The promised one that's been prophesied in, this, in the scriptures? So they were all questioning whether that he might be the Christ, which is another word for the Messiah. So they're wondering that, and, and we understand that, right? I mean, we studied last week, we saw that John, he had the look, remember, he had the look. He had the look of the Old Testament prophet, like Elijah. We know from uh, Matthew chapter 3 that he wore the camel's hair coat. Yeah? Elijah wore a hairy coat with a leather belt. And we see in Matthew 3 that uh, John wore that camel's hair coat and a leather belt a belt around his waist. He had the look. He was in the wilderness. He didn't live where most people did. He lived in the wilderness. And he ate what? Locusts and, and, and honey, right? It's like, ew, who's going to eat that? So he's a different guy, but, but that kind of set him apart. And so he stood out just like, when, like this, old, old, this Old Testament prophet. So he had the look. But not only that, he spoke like God's prophet, right? He called out for people to repent of their sins, to turn and come to the Lord. And remember, after 400 years, God had not spoken since Malachi chapter 4. And now John comes on the scene looking like a prophet. Now he's speaking like when he's saying these words about repentance and, and be prepared, prepare your heart, repent from your sins and turn to the Lord. And not only that, he had this presence of a prophet. He, when he spoke, he spoke with conviction. I mean, people heard him. People felt the Holy Spirit. And we know, right, since the womb back in chapter 1, right, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So he, he certainly was this prophet, a standout from, from 400 years, you know, suddenly there's this guy standing here. So, so given, right, everyone's kind of going, whoa, is he the Messiah then? Is, is he really the Messiah? So as the people were pondering this in their heart, right? They didn't come up to John, actually. Later, uh, we read in the other Gospels that the Pharisees did. But the people are wondering, maybe he's the guy. Maybe he is that. Well, verse 16, John answers them. Verse 16, John answers them. He answers them all, saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming uh, is uh, mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John answers her question right away. And the way he answers, he first says, I baptize you with water. I'm just coming with water. But let me tell you, there's someone else who's coming 
after me and he's mightier. That means he's greater than me. He's, 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 his status is higher. He's much more powerful. Matter of fact, he's more greater, so much so that he says here in verse 16, uh, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So this coming one is so much greater that I'm not worthy to even untie and, and take off his sandal. Now, that is a picture of when in the ancient times when a guest would come to the house, the servant of the house, the, the lowly servant, right, would untie the, the sandal of the, the guest and wash their feet. And back then, it was dirty roads, no asphalt, cement. And so feet got really dirty. And so this was, this was a job of a servant. And so that's what a servant would do. And John's like, you know, I'm not even worthy. I'm a servant, but I'm not even worthy to do that to Jesus. This guy who's coming is much, much more greater. And then he finishes really what he's saying. He says, like, look, I baptize you with water, but this guy who's mightier, who I'm unworthy of, you know what? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So you can imagine uh, John saying, you know, you think I'm this great prophet up here, but, you know, I'm really down here, and who's coming is this, the Messiah. He's greater than me. He's up here. I'm down here. I... I baptize you. I baptize you with just water, right? It was is a baptism of repentance. It's a show of repenting of your sin. I just use water, but this guy who's coming, he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And and what that speaks of is that this person who's coming, the Messiah, he's gonna bring life to your soul. That's really the idea when we talk about the Holy Spirit and fire that Jesus, the Messiah, will come and baptize with. Take a moment and turn to the Old Testament, to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. If you get to Daniel, it's uh, one more over. If you hit Isaiah, you, you went too far. If you hit Jeremiah, you went a little bit too far. But Ezekiel chapter 36 and take, take a look at verse 26 and verse 27. Now, this is part of the prophecy, if you remember when we studied this book, of, of when God will come and revive Israel. And we see this in the uh, prophecy of the end times. But, but it's also, I believe it's looking to what we're talking about with what the Messiah will do in bringing life to us. So Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says, And I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So, so here the prophecy is that, hey, God's going to come, give us a new heart, like we're going to become new creations. That's the idea. Like we're going to become a new person. Our hard heart is going to be exchanged for a soft heart that will receive God and his things. But then look at verse 27. Then verse 27, it says, And I will put my spirit within you. What spirit? My spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and, uh, and be careful to obey my rules. So God's spirit is going to be inside you now. And God's spirit is going to empower you, give you the ability to do what God wants you to do. And so... I believe this is what 
John is saying the Messiah is going to do. So if you go back to Luke chapter 3, when he says, hey, I'm just going to, I just baptize you in water. I just dunk you in this water for repentance. But you know what? The Messiah is going to come. He's going to come and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the word baptize, it means to immerse. So when John baptized the people, he put them down into the water. When we, we do our water baptisms, you go all the way under. It means immerse. It means drench. It means soak. That's the idea here. So Jesus, the Messiah, John is saying, will immerse you, will dunk you, will, will drench you, will fill you, basically overflowing in and out with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, it says, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And with what we just looked at in Ezekiel, what this means is that it speaks of how the Holy Spirit comes to a believer and lives inside of you. Now remember, Jesus had mentioned uh, many times in the Gospels before he died and rose again that I'm going to send you a helper. And who's that? The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit to help us live for God, to help us uh, understand his word to help us grow in him it's all of those things so jesus said i'm gonna send a helper after the resurrection and then what happened acts chapter 2 the baptism of the spirit when the when the church came, was born right and the and the spirit came and baptized the people and they're speaking in tongues and peter started preaching right the spirit came to live inside of the people there. And from then on, the Holy Spirit, whenever someone comes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Isn't that amazing? Before that, it was not like that. Before that, only like kings or prophets or some people for a little amount of time, the Spirit will come, anoint them, they'll be filled with the Spirit, and they prophesy and all that. But now, as Christians, every one of us, when you're a believer, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and it empowers you, and it gives you life. The Holy Spirit, He gives you life. So, so that's what, when uh, John says, Jesus, the Messiah, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's what it's talking about. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you. And then John says, the Messiah will baptize you with fire. And I believe this is attached to the Holy Spirit. By the way, some say, well, this speaks of judgment in Christ. He's going to come and bring judgment. And certainly so in the Bible, fire is a, many times is a symbol of judgment and I believe that too. But in the next verse, he's going to talk about that. And we'll get to that in the next verse. But here, I believe it's something different. Because we see fire in a different way also in the Bible. So Jesus will baptize you with fire. And I, I believe it's, it's connected to this Holy Spirit filling you too. First of all, understand the Holy Spirit brings you in the presence. He brings the presence of God in your life. I mean, think about this. Remember Mount Sinai? It was a burning mountain. Why is that? Because God was on the mountain. The presence of God was on the mountain. Think about the tabernacle, right? When God's presence came, it was this fire, you know, burning. So many times in the Bible, we see fire as, as a symbol of God's presence. So 
I believe that when John is saying here in, in Luke chapter 3 that Jesus is going to baptize you with fire, it's connected with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, the presence of God is going to be in you. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is living within you. And what? Remember on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the, when the baptism of the Spirit came upon the people, what did people see in each other? Tongues of fire, right? Right? Tongues of fire burning. That was a symbol of God, the Holy Spirit, coming into people. By the way, we know Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.16, right? That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the fire is God's presence in us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit brings a purifying work in your life. So the idea is like a refiner's fire here of how the sanctification process in our life as we grow in God and, and as we get rid of more sin and all and, and in our life and all that, it's the Spirit sanctifying us and, and purifying us. And, and then what comes out? The fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. All these things start to work out into our lives as that refining fire, purifying work of the Spirit works in our lives. And then the third thing we have, the Holy Spirit brings a passion for God in your life like a fire in your heart. You know that desire to read the Bible? That desire to, to pray, the desire to even want to come to church and worship together, fellowship together. All of that is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. All of that is how the Holy Spirit regenerated you, gave, gave, gave you a new life. And now the Holy Spirit is prompting you, pulling you, convicting you, bringing you to this place of, yeah, I want God, I want more of God, to even seek God out more. To desire, to burn in your heart, to want more of the Lord. Think about this. In Luke chapter 24, and we'll, we'll get there at the end, right? But you remember after Jesus was risen from the dead, right? And the disciples that were walking on that road to Emmaus, you remember that? And suddenly Jesus appears. They didn't know it was him. They start talking story with them about everything that happened. And Jesus starts opening up the scriptures to them. And all of a sudden Jesus reveals himself. And then he goes. Do you remember what the guy said? That those disciples said in Luke 24? In Luke 24, in verse 32, they said this. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us? the scriptures so you see the holy spirit brings this fire this passion inside our hearts to to want god more to get close to god more to know his word more so i believe that's what john is saying here that the messiah will do along with the holy spirit that's what this fire is so you see john saying look i just put you into the water i just baptized you one but there's someone coming, the Messiah, who's going to do so much more. He's going to give you life. He's going to powerfully work in your life like never, ever before. So John's motive here, right, is to humbly point to Jesus who brings life in the Spirit. That's what he's saying here. John's motive is to humbly point to Jesus who brings life in the spirit. He's pointing to Jesus. He's like, look guys, you yeah, you think I'm this prophet? No, no, I'm down here. Jesus is up here. You think I'm doing something? I just I just dunk you in the water there in the river. No, 
But what Jesus is going to do, I'm going to give you life. It's Jesus. That's what it's about. Have you guys seen the movie uh, Woodlawn? Uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie. Uh, we, we could put up the picture here. Uh, Woodlawn. It's a, it's, it's a true story of a high school football team in Birmingham, a- Alabama. And they're facing, at the time, a lot of uh, racially charged trouble between blacks and whites. And, and this was a lot of trouble back in the 70s now. But then God shows up and brings a revival. Breaks, a revival breaks out on the team. And, and, you know, it was at the same time that uh, the Jesus movement was going on in, on the West Coast. Well, there was one scene where um, Hank Aaron, which, which is the team's chaplain, he raises his hand, uh, pointing upward, symbolizing Jesus. One way to heaven, Jesus. And this became a symbol for Jesus and the revival. And even in the final game, which in the movie it portrays it, it was actually one of the largest high school football games ever played in the history of the state of Alabama. Uh, uh, you have to see the movie, but even in this, during that time in the game, there's this moment at the end, you know, people in the stadium, the football players are pointing to Jesus, just like what you see, and, and that's one of the main you know uh, images or 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 for the promoting the movie i was reading how the producer kevin dow says says this so they gave all the credit to god whether win or lose because there was only one way and i was thinking about this you guys this is what john is doing john's motive is to humbly point to jesus who brings life in the spirit and, and I remember during the Jesus movement, I remember when, when I got saved. I remember, I, I got saved during the end of the Jesus movement. And I remember every, people going around like this, one way, Jesus, one way, Jesus. And you'd greet each other or you say bye with, with, with pointing to Jesus here. I think we should adopt that. I, sh- I think that's something that, that we need to remind ourselves tonight. I I believe there's a movement going on right now. I believe God is moving in all of our hearts right now. I believe there's there's things happening. Uh, God's beginning to answer many of our prayers. We've been seeing that in our, in our 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 you know prayer team prayers going out. I believe God is beginning to move right now, and I believe we need to get with that movement that it's Jesus doing this work. I believe. I, I believe God wants us to, to point to him now. I believe that we are maybe for too long been pointing to who? Ourselves, right? No, it's about Jesus. We need to point to Jesus. I believe that our life's been too much about me. Yeah? But it has to be about him now. I mean, think about, think about John. When the people were wondering, are you the Messiah? He could have said, well, no, no, but I am a prophet. Yeah. You better listen to me. No, he was like, hey, I, 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 he didn't really talk about himself. What he did was he pointed to Jesus and about what Jesus is going to do and bringing up his power and bringing life to you through his spirit. I think we got to stop pointing to ourselves, but point to Jesus. What are you doing? I mean, how is your Facebook or Instagram or who do you point to? 
How about your conversations? Are you always pointing to yourself? Or are you starting to point and move it to Jesus Christ? Or do we point to our accomplishments? John could have said, well, you know, I had the Holy Spirit since I was in the womb. I'm filled with the Spirit. No. No. He's just, hey, look, I, I, just, I just baptized with water. But this guy, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He points to Jesus. Lift up your hand right now. Point to Jesus. Do that. Everyone, point to Jesus. Point to him right now. That's what we got to do. We have to do this. God is moving, and this is how, by pointing to Jesus. All right, let's go on here now to verse 17. Verse 17. So, John goes on and he says, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, and so gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And we'll stop there. So his winnowing fork, his, he's talking about the Messiah, and we're talking about Jesus here. His winnowing fork is in the hand to clear the threshing floor. What's a winnowing fork? Well, it's like a pitchfork, basically. The threshing floor is where they crush the, the, they take in the wheat harvest, they crush the wheat, separate the kernel from the, the, the shell and, and all the stalks and everything. And the winnowing fork is like a pitchfork that picks up all the, the, the rubbish, the leftover, and, and, and it gets it out there. So what you have left is the kernels. And that's, that's the valuable part, right? The other part is just, just chaff, which she mentions here, chaff. He's going to gather the wheat, the kernel, into his barn, but the chaff, all the rubbish part, he's going to burn with unquenchable fire. So the wheat really is talking about believers. He's going to gather to take home to heaven with him. The chaff is those who reject Jesus. They are going to be burned with unquenchable fire, which is eternal hell. So John's being super straight here, saying, look, this is the Messiah. He's going to bring light, the Holy Spirit, and fire, but he will also bring what? Judgment here for those who reject him and who do not repent of their sin. Remember, he's, John's a guy, you know, well, calling out for repentance and fruits of repentance, works of repentance to come. And so if you reject Christ, you don't repent, then you know what? The Messiah is the one who has the authority to bring judgment. And you know what that means? Who has that authority? Who has, who's the only person that has the authority to bring judgment on a person? The Lord, God, right? So what he's saying? He's saying the Messiah is God and everyone is accountable to Jesus because he's God and he's coming. In John chapter 5, verse 26 and 27, it says, For as a father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And the idea is that Jesus, the Lord, God, he has authority to give life. The Holy Spirit, fire. But then in John 26, uh, 27, 5.27, excuse me, right after that, then it says, And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Because he's the Son of God, the Messiah, the Son of Man who's come. Jesus has the authority to hold that winnowing fork. To take the chaff and put it into the unquenchable fire. That's Jesus, you guys. So, here's our second point. 
John's motive is to point to the Lord God Jesus who holds all authority. Jesus is God. He's the Lord God. So John's motive here is to point to Jesus. He's keep pointing to Jesus, but to show that Jesus is the Lord God who holds all authority. Jesus is the one who gives life. Yes, but he's the one who holds all authority too. And you reject him. Oh, there's going to be judgment that comes. I was reading recently a national survey done by the Joshua Fund Group, uh, which is Joel Rosenberg. It showed that 44% of people in the nation saw that the coronavirus as a sign of coming judgment and or a wake-up call to turn back to God. 44% that was surveyed in our nation. But 47% say that this pandemic and economic trouble have nothing to do with God or Bible prophecy. The, the rest of the percentage of people didn't really know. Now, I, I believe that the, this pandemic is a wake-up call. I believe that God is using it to seriously uh, call out to people so that they would turn to Him. And most of us, we understand that, that one day, if, if not sooner, right, Uh, everyone's going to be held accountable to Jesus. And I believe he's coming soon. I believe this is the wake-up call. I believe this is the call for everyone to be serious about God. Because time is running out. And one day, every single person, believer or not, saved or unsaved, they are going to be held accountable to Jesus. I mean, Philippians 2, right? 10, 11 talks about how every knee will bow and every tongue confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord. God will come. Jesus will come in judgment. And this is what we're reading in verse 17, that, hey, it's going to happen. And, and in one sense, you know, it, it calls us to be serious about God and about Jesus and about our walk with Him. And on another side of it, you know, I, I'm thinking, wow, Lord, I am kind of tired of injustice. I'm kind of tired of this crazy stuff that's even going on in the country right now. And I know one day you're going to make it right because He is Jesus. He is God. And every knee will bow. But at the same time, then we have to be aware of the reality of what's going to happen that God will eventually bring justice to this to this world to our nation here it's a serious thing and this is where john is being serious here in verse 17 well let's go on now to verse 18 so with many other exhortations he preached good news to the people so with a lot of other exhortations the word exhortations means call to call and you know how John is he with these words he's calling out people he's 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 that's his mission right remember his mission back in verse 3 right his mission was the baptism repentance for the forgiveness of sin so his mission was calling repentance his message remember was verse 8 bear fruits in keeping with repentance that you would truly change your life and 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 live firm so here's here's John he's calling people to to repent of their sins, but he's also preaching good news. And I like that part, good news to the people. Because remember, his mission was the baptism of repentance in verse 3. But for, it says also, for the forgiveness 
of sin. So it wasn't just, hey, you better get your act together. Hey, you got to watch out or God's going to judge you. But it was, hey, turn back to God. Repent of your sin. God, judgment will come. But you know what? If you repent, there's forgiveness of sin. Isn't that beautiful? So here, here's, here's, here is John with many other calling out people about their sins, but he brings the good news of forgiveness. What did, what did John say, uh, um, John the Baptist say in John chapter 1 when, Jesus, when he saw Jesus? Do you remember? He pointed to Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who what? Takes away what? The sins of the world. That was his message, right? It wasn't just, hey, judgment's coming. No, who takes away the sins of this world. Well, it goes on that the exhortations also went to Herod. It says in verse 19 and 20, But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. That's our last verse. So in these last two verses, uh, we see, but, I mean, John went out, he was exhorting people, but here's what happened to John. Herod the Tetrarch. Remember Herod in verse 1, the Tetrarch? Tetrarch, he was one of the four rulers in the region in Israel. And he, Herod is really Herod Antipas. He took the area uh, overseen of Galilee, northern Israel. He was the son of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the one who murdered all the kids two years old and under in Matthew chapter 2 because he wanted to kill Jesus, the baby Jesus, right? Or the toddler Jesus, we should say. And so this is Herod the Tetrarch who had been reproved, reproved another. He was publicly reproved. He was publicly called out. For what? Well, called out by John for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that he had done, Herod had done. What happened? Well, Herod the Tetrarch, Herod here, Antipas, he went to visit his brother Philip, who was overseeing the east of Jordan area. And he went, and he, he must have fallen in love, so to speak, but was attracted to Philip's wife, Herodias. And so Herodias divorced Philip, and Herod divorced his wife, and they got together and basically committed adultery. And so the, here they committed adultery. And on top of that, scholars tell us that Herodias is actually Herod's niece. So the scholars say that, that she's even like you know, family there. And so not only adultery, but incest was going on here. So all these sins, and, and he was Herod too, we know from the stories and stuff, you know, you party, like to drink, the whole thing, all these evil things Herod had done. And the big thing, uh, John was calling him on his adulterous marriage and all that he was doing. Well, he added to those sins was he locked up John in prison. And we know that in Mark chapter 6, I believe, it was because Herodias didn't like what, what John was saying. Uh, uh, Herodias was, was bitter and all that, didn't like John, had Herod lock him up in prison for what he was saying. And then later we know he was beheaded. So we come to this place here where saying, but Herod, he had locked up John for John giving these exhortations and, and calling people out. But you know what? I believe 
that John, even though he called Herod out, I believe he was still trying to reach Herod. I believe he was still trying to, to reach him by calling him out to repent. And then Herod, even Herod, could find forgiveness. That was his message, right? That was his mission. That's what he was doing. He was still pointing to Jesus. But we also see this. John was not about gaining power and position. John was about faithfully preaching God's truth. That's what I see here. So our last point is this. John's motive is to point to Jesus as he boldly preached Repentance, as he boldly was preaching repentance. John's motives would point to Jesus as he was boldly preaching repentance. He didn't back down about Jesus, even though he faced uh, being imprisoned and put to death. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Mary Tudor, or Mary the First uh, was Queen of England from 1553 to 1558. Do you know her nickname? Probably guys know her nickname is Bloody Mary. That's Mary of Tudor. And you know why she got that nickname? Because she persecuted uh, Protestant believers, pastors, and leaders. And they say about 280 of them she burned at the stake. That's why she's called that. But it was during this time a great preacher, preacher Hugh Latimer, and his uh, friend Nicholas Ridley were tied together to be burned. And Latimer turned to his friend and said this. It's a famous quote. Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust, shall never be put out. Every person who boldly stands for God's truth against sin and putting out the hope in Jesus Christ, is standing with Latimer and Ridley today, shining that light. And that's John. He never gave in for anything less. He, he wasn't about power, position, and trying to protect that. No, he was about calling sin, sin and calling out and trying to bring people to repentance so they could be forgiven by their sins by Jesus Christ. That was John's motive, to point to Jesus as he boldly preaching repentance. You know, there's a lot of ugly things being done against racial injustice. I mean, just even recently, we've seen, uh, I think it was Wisconsin, right? And, and don't, don't misunderstand, it, it is wrong. Racial injustice is wrong. But destroying someone is not the goal. The goal is confronting the wrong in the light of God's truth and then pointing to Jesus for the solution. That's what it should be. Remember, you and I, we are ambassadors of Christ, bringing that message of reconciliation, right? That's who we are to be. Yes, we point out wrong according to what we see in God's truth. Yes, we, we, we stand for what's right and justice and all, but not to destroy someone not to just bring wrath upon them, but we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what it's about. That's what John was about. So we got to be bold, but ultimately the goal is to point them to Jesus to find 
forgiveness and the solution to all this. Listen, it's not about us, right? As we close up here, it's not about us. It's not about me. Everything we do, what we do, it's about who? Jesus. Jesus, right? Jesus Christ. And so we have to watch out because the church, we as believers, we can get caught about caught up about things and lose what John is doing here, pointing to Jesus. John was a straight shooter. Yeah, he stood for truth. He went again. He spoke against Herod. Yeah, he called people, uh, uh, called them out on their sin. Even when the Pharisees came, he wasn't about position or trying to please the religious leaders. He called them what? Vipers, right? You snakes. But it wasn't just to, to point out the wrong, but it's to bring them to what? Jesus. Forgiveness of sin. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was John pointing to Jesus. I'm going to close with two things here and, and one scripture and a quote. And turn over to um, John chapter 3. John chapter 3 here. John chapter 3, verse 30. And this, is, this really brings it all together, who John is. John chapter 3, verse 30. And if you don't have this highlight circled, this is when. John 3, 30. This is, this is what John, John says when he's pointing to Jesus. He says, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease, not increase more, decrease. As John was fading off the scene, Jesus was coming on the scene at this point. Did John get jealous? No. Did John fight for, wait, 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 how about me? No. He said, you know what? He must increase, Jesus, and I must decrease. That's what John was all about. And that's what we should be about, Jesus. I'll close with this. Vance Habner said, Make Jesus Christ your theme. I love that. I have seen preachers, Vance Abner saying this, espouse causes and champion movements. And when the cause died and the movement collapsed, the preacher vanished too. But the man who glories in Christ never grows stale. I love that. I, actually, uh, Pastor John Miller uh, text that to me a couple couple weeks or so ago, and I was like, wow, this, that's it. This is it. Let our me- mission be about Jesus. Let, let our message be about Jesus. Let our motive be like John's, right? Pointing to Jesus. And then, in this lost world that we live in, we can be like John, the voice in the wilderness. Let's pray. Lord, We want to be like John. We ask right now that you would increase while we decrease. Lord, we don't want to point to ourselves anymore. We want to point to you, God. We want to point people to you, not pointing to ourselves, Lord. We want people to know, God, your truth, Lord. God, the truth of God and what we want people to know what what sin does in separating them from you, God. We want to be real in all of this, but at the same time, we want to point them to you, the solution to our sin. That when we repent, you reconcile us to you. When, when we come to you and we're real and we, seek, we confess our sins, you forgive us, Lord. 
So God, make us, empower us like John, Lord. May we be pointing to you. And God, I pray right now that you would fill us, Lord. Baptize us with your Holy Spirit and fire right now, God. As we worship you, Lord, may you see our heart, Lord, and may you receive all that we see. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.